Hey everybody, just a little bit before the show, uh, this is one of our lost episodes uh, that we were fortunately able to recover. Um, earlier in the show's history, we had some very bad organizational practices that I quickly zipped up. Um, they were in no way my fault, of course, but uh, here we have our, uh, our guest episode uh, with Kennedy, finally, so enjoy. They're not fucking not care anymore at this point. It's sick. We're out here. We're, we're, we're giving you higher quality so you get less podcasts. That's the way that this works until we get paid. That's how all of this works. <laughs> However, we, uh, we have a guest today, Kennedy T. Cooper from... The, from Twitter at this point. <laughs> Just call me a frog owner now, I frog guess. Owner. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, no, I... Um, you have a big... Like, we're homies on, on Twitter. We... Talk shit goes down in the DM constantly. It's. I it's... used to have a, a very cool show until extremely recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now we're gonna we're gonna maybe gloss over that. I don't yeah, know. We're gonna, maybe we'll we're gonna go right past all that. But I think about it's... it for a second, but probably not. Um... <laughs> no, it's all good. I I'm actually excited because like anytime in the podcast game, anytime someone decides to like just go their own way. In fact, one of the things that's that like that's being thrown around in various discords that I'm in is like people want to use my podcast to test their own podcast, which is actually extremely tight for me. Right. Like I, I think that's cool. Where like my podcast is the source of other people's podcast. And all that has to happen is that I'm just their first guest, but technically it's on my podcast where I'm a guest on my own pod. That is the sickest to me. That's exactly what I want. I've always wanted where I'm just the guest. I'm not even the host. I just, I'm just the recurring guest on this long ass podcast. <laughs> but um Kennedy, no, you we were talking about my various injuries when you came on the last pod very accidentally. You just kind of jumped in, which I don't know if that's gonna happen, if like that's gonna end up in the pod or not. But if it does, hilarious. Um <laughs> uh and I have this I tried to DM you. Yeah, no, you know what? I'm the okay, <laughs> I'm the absolute worst at checking DMs. Ivy can tell you, like I'm literally I do not check my DMs ever. And it's not even because like, you know what it boils down to is that I have like, I'm a boomer. I have like boomer, I have boomer brain for certain things like Discord. I do not understand Discord whatsoever. Like I, I just found out recently that all of my notifications have been turned off and I don't ever remember doing it. So I like, I have no, like I just wasn't getting notifications. People were hitting me up. I just went back and looked at like, I have like 120 friend requests and I'm like, oh man, what the <laughs> fuck? They're all expired and shit. People are like, fuck you then, dude. I'm like, oh, I, did, I just saw this right now. My bad. Dog. <laughs> you know, this Twitter. reminds me, but I was thinking about how people get really paranoid on Twitter, especially, but all over the internet about, you know, YouTube shadow banning me in some way right now. And so obviously sometimes that stuff does happen. I'm not trying to 
mm -hmm. uh, discount the reality that these platforms have a lot of control over what they do and don't show you, etc. But on the other hand, I do wonder how much of that stuff is just like boomer brain. Like, you didn't get banned by YouTube, Ron. You lost your password. <laughs> go, go to bed, Uncle Ron. Once, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure out your a, password tomorrow. <laughs> uh, once a month, I'll check. Cause there's, like, this, like, API you can look up um, Twitter stuff for, and, like, it'll tell you whether or not you've been shadow banned. And once a month, I'll check it to see if I've been shadow banned. I haven't yet. And every time I see and I haven't been shadow banned, it's, like, super discouraging because I'm like, man, my posts just fucking suck. That's yeah, why, <laughs> why is my engagement so bad then? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's like, I can't even fucking blame technology at this point. I just got to get better. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I don't know. I think that like, there's like a, there's like a really deeply psychotic part of my brain that makes me, that like wants to have a, what are those called? Like a posting strategy, right? Like that makes me think that that would make shit easier for me. And that's just not true. Like, I know it's not true. The, because when I like try, I tried to, I tried to start a few other accounts that were just like focused accounts, accounts with that were like about one joke or one type mm. of thing. And every time that I would do that and I, I was even like the kind of crazy shit that I was doing, I was like scheduling tweets and I was doing research for tweets, which is a fucking crazy person thing to do. And I was doing it. And then I was just like getting like one like or two likes from fucking people that I already knew. And I was pissed off about it. I was like, I was like, how the fuck can I just not be getting any kind of like engagement whatsoever? And it's because like, I have that Silicon Valley metric brain where you think that numbers on a thing mean something. Do you know what I'm saying? It's an actual fucking, I, don't, yeah. I think it's a straight up mental illness in all honesty. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have this illness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a really bad case. Like, it's crazy it's to crazy. me now that they're okay. So it's a good thing you can capitalize on it a little bit because now, like, now that I work in social media, like, and I work for my mental illness of like looking at things and, and gauging things by engagement, I can trick my like boomer bosses who have no idea what any of the shit means. I can trick them into thinking that it means something, right? <laughs> like I. I, that's literally almost exclusively like the biggest function of my job. It's what keeps me yeah. continuing having a job <laughs> is being like, no, but like a hundred thousand people saw this post. I mean, they didn't like it. They didn't even like see it, but they saw it and that's important. And they're like, yeah, it is a hundred thousand people is a lot of people. <laughs> I will say, because this is especially ironic at the moment that actually like I used to be more like strategic about posting and stuff. And especially I, I used to run like the show account. Mm -hmm. for that show uh before i really like was tweeting on my own account or anything and i i was very like i, I gotta have a strategy now i pretty much i have like a very slight rhythm to what i do but really like the ironic thing about everything that's going on right now is that what's worked for me is being more sincere like actually what what gets me more followers is just being really honest about my life but that also opens me up to these weird kind of personal attacks so it is like a it's a strange door to open <laughs> well i think that one of the things that like you know this is defense against the dark arts on this point, but like one of the <laughs> things to look up to think about right and i fucking hate using harry potter references because i don't look 
All right, I'm going to get fucking roasted for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm preemptively understanding that I'm about to get roasted for that, but check it out. I, I read like three Harry Potter books, okay? I, I was fucking young. I was like seven or eight. Don't roast me. Don't fucking... I know some things. Anyways, <laughs> uh, let me just say that when you're fucking... When one of the things that helps me out with like people personally attacking me is if they're going to come at me, right, and I can see them and like, well, not see them, but like if they're like a fucking blank avatar or something, you know what I mean? Like, or like a fucking pick group fucking picture or something like that, I know to discount precisely like whatever it is their criticism is because it's essentially coming from an anime character. Like, you're not real. You're false. You're not even, you don't have the wherewithal to post your face, right? And to me, like, posting your face is a brave-ass thing you can do on the internet. I understand it's not for everybody because some people are legitimately afraid of that shit. And I get why, especially if you work in, but for me, I post my face because I have really nothing to fucking lose at this point. Like, I, I can lose my job, which would fucking absolutely suck dick, and I would hate it, but... If the only thing you could really I have fuck nothing to lose except this one thing I have to lose. <laughs> except for this, no, but it would suck. But I ultimately, like, I have a strong back. I'm always gonna work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll always find yeah. work. I I'm working with my brain right now, but I'm happy to heavy lift again. Is what I like, right? Yeah. Like, I'm happy. I would love to actually go back to a fucking to Seven Eleven, right? Like, I would. It would be sick for me to go back to that because it would be like, I saw the other side and it's bullshit. It's nice to just come back here and not trip. I think about it all the time, actually. The other day I was thinking about, like, I was legitimately dreaming about going back to working at, like, Safeway overnight. <laughs> I did that oh, for man. a year and a half. And, like, I remember because I wanted, like, so bad a position that people respected. Well, at least in my brain, like, my stupid fucking Cali brain that I thought people respected. I wanted so bad to be like, I want to be like the boss. I want to be like the guy that tells people what to do. That's what I want. <laughs> right. And that's all that I've ever wanted. I don't know what the fuck. Like, so I would come into work early and fucking sit in my car like 30 minutes before it's, you know, I was scheduled. I would work off the clock. I would fucking underreport my overtime. I would do all the shit that they tell you you should do to get ahead. And I never got ahead. And I just got a lucky break from the right guy. And that's how I ended up like working in fucking office and like in offices. And yeah. Shit. And now that I'm on the flip side where I manage people and I'm beholden to all these like weird fucking random ideas that I have to just fucking answer to. And it's completely the other side. And when I tell people I'm in marketing, there's like not not like real people. When I tell real people I'm in marketing, the two of things <coughs> happens. One of them is that they're like, oh, you sell uh, you sell like the detox teas. And that, that's, <laughs> that's correct. That most most of people who say they're marketing do actually sell the detox teas, those like green tea diet fat things. That's what they do. You got you some essential what? oils for me, Marcos. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know what? That's a more valid job than what the fuck I'm doing. Right. That snake oil salesman shit is fucking way more valid than what the fuck I'm doing. But like at least snake oil you can hold in your hand yes, at the end of it. Yeah. For, I'm literally selling like fucking ephemeral oil, right? Like it's just it's all fake. None of it is it's real. It's the idea but... of snake oil. It's a snake oil <laughs> NFT. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't right click a, a snake oil NFT. <laughs> no, uh so it's you know, it's fucking difficult for me to like explain to people what I do. So, you know, when I tell them marketing, that's the first thing they think of. Or the second thing is like, oh wow, like that's an important job, right? They think and it's not. It's at any moment, 
like my my fucking CEO can be like, what are we paying this fucking asshole for? And then just cut me loose. And that's just the way it is. But I think about like when I was if I were to go back to working at Safeway, I would not fucking trip how I used to where I would show up 30 minutes early, do all the fucking psychopathic shit that I was doing to try and get ahead because I know what the other side is like now. And it's all everyone who got here bullshitted their way here. Nobody fucking earned it. Like there's not one guy that actually went out there, did all the crazy shit that they told you to do. Where like you wake up at 4 a.m. every morning and you get ready for your your grind set. You got to change your grind set. None of those guys have ever made it out of somewhere. Like maybe they might be that way now, but they were always that way, right? There was no change prior to them being that way. So like, if I were to go back to that fucking like to any job, like shit fucking cashier job that I fucking hated when I was younger, I would fucking love it because I am now removed of all of the heavy baggage that it took me to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like it took me to look at that shit as a lesser job because that's what I saw. I literally saw when I was doing those jobs, I saw them as lesser. I saw them as like much fucking like, man, I don't deserve to be doing this shit. I gotta, I gotta shoot for the stars and blah, blah, blah. That's not true. I was performing essential services that motherfuckers need to happen. I was like a yeah. pillar to my community because, you know what I mean? If I didn't stock them motherfucking groceries, ain't nobody eating, right? Like, that's, Yeah, no, totally. I, one of my, I mean, basically my first job out of high school that was like my first full-time job um, on paper. Because before that, I, I was doing construction all through high school, like 20 plus hours a week, pretty much every week. But it was through family and stuff, so there was like some some casualness to it, even if mm-hmm. it was also kind of like something that would you get your ass kicked if you didn't show up. Still, somebody, you know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like yeah. you can't you can't just like blow it off completely. But it was still like chiller. So, but then like I had like my first full time job when I got out of high school, and I was working in the Walmart deli in like mm-hmm. a relatively small town that didn't have a lot of stuff. So that this Walmart is like where people go for a lot of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like that job was so essential to the community. I'm not trying to defend Walmart here, but like if, if Walmart's all you got, then everybody's going there. Right. So that job, like the work that I was doing was so essential to the community. And it was honestly one of the hardest jobs I've ever done too. And yeah, I, I used to think of it as like this very like, oh, this is like a, this is a, a, a a dumbass's job basically Mm -hmm. to a large extent. Although I remember one time in particular, I would defend it sometimes because one time in particular, this woman came in and actually, this is unbelievable, but this is a real life story. She's Mm -hmm. there with her kid and she points at me and she goes, if you don't get good grades, that's what you'll end up doing. (laughs) And I was like, I have a 4.0 and I'm in college. (laughs) I just said that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You got got to defend yourself for that. But I mean, like, like, fuck you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) One of the things that I like, I had, so I had dinner with a coworker, uh, yesterday and it was purely like for political reasons which is a shitty thing that i do right like i've been i've been analyzing my i always feel bad when i have to interact with my coworkers, right because like my team the people who like i manage it's only like a team of, of three people but those people like i don't even really consider them my coworkers because one you're not fucking allowed to in management like they're they have to be like these weird aliens you're not friends with them and i i'm aware of why there's a reason there's a ton of reasons why but for the most part, I see them as essential to me being able to do my job, right? They're people, and I see them as people, and I know that they all need time and they all need things to do. So I, 
never really trip on stuff. Just make sure that the shit happens and then it's done. And that's how, when I was running kitchens, that's how I used to run my kitchens, right? It was very much like, look, like we're all getting paid fucking minimum wage here. I'm expecting minimum work. I'm not expect, like, I'm not expecting you to fucking come in here and bust your ass for any of this shit. You want to do that? Fucking do it, man. Just make everyone else's job easier and I appreciate it, but we can't like the fucking management is not going to pay you anymore. So just come in here, do the bare ass minimum, go home. Right. So that was always how I ran the shit. Yeah. It's still how I run it here. Like I have that same kitchen mentality of how I run this fucking little, you know, group of, of people. And I find myself like constantly with them there. Every time they talk to me about stuff, I, I like genuine, generally agree with them. Sometimes, like, they bring up shit about, like, college and stuff, things that I just completely missed out on, and I have no context to, like, even begin to understand where they're coming from. And they're talking about, like, student loans and shit, and I feel bad for them because I'm like, yo, dog, like, I don't have student loans. I mean, I got insane medical debt, but I don't have student loans. Like, I don't... I I dropped out when I was going to have to get loans. Yeah, no, I... I for community I, college, for the record. I went, Jesus Christ. I went to community college, and I literally paid, I, I think I paid for, like, four semesters of art school, because that's, what I like, art classes. And then once, I, I remember, like, finishing them, and then going to the guidance counselor who told me to do that. And I was like, yo, I did, I did like, four fucking, like, years in and out of, like, all just art classes. And then she's like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, well, transfer to an art school. And then she was just like, yeah, that's not how it works. And I'm like you made me come here for four fucking years to do this. Like, what the fuck do you mean? That's not how it works. What do you mean? And then she was like, yeah, you got to like get accepted and like, you got to take prerequisites and you got to do math and shit. And I was like, look at no point. If you would have said math a year ago, I would have quit. I would have been like, nah, dog, we don't do math here. So I have all this fucking, which is why I brought it up. That same shit, by the way. Uh huh. That same shit happens to you um, if you want to actually pursue a career in academia Mm -hmm. um, and you want to keep going. They don't tell you that you need to do like your fucking like uh, your research and like where you want to do like your fucking masters and shit like that until literally your senior year after they've already got your money. Mm -hmm. And that's when they tell you, by the way, you're competing with like literally 600 other people for like these like these masters, just student positions. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just like swoosh right on up the ladder. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not getting jack shit for studying linguistics in the United States. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and you learn you learn it's even worse too because after you do you get your masters, if you manage to get your masters, then you manage to get your PhD, um you start teaching, right? Mm-hmm. The only shot you ever have of getting like uh on track for tenure <coughs> uh, to actually teach uh and like to basically have like a solid job mm-hmm. every year basically that's what having tenure means at this point mm-hmm. uh you have to research like some hyper obscure thing that ultimately nobody cares about including yourself mm-hmm. but technically like quote unquote needs to be researched just so that way they can say we're doing something we're advancing human knowledge or something like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whole the whole thing is fucked top to bottom (laughs) no i i understand that 100 percent. i remember like when i went to the guidance counselor to ask like hey what should i do now that i've got four years of fucking art school under my belt and then like not even it was community college art school which is just a shit ton of random artistic classes right (laughs) and like one of the fucking classes that I did was like appreciation of art, which 
we just talked about art all day. And I remember thinking to myself, like, dog, this is a class? Like, people, motherfuckers go to school for this? This is crazy, right? A- anyways, I remember, like, going to the guidance counselor. Like, I had this fuck. I have, you just flash back this memory that I had right now, Ivy, where I, like, <laughs> had the Jimmy Neutron brain blast again, where I fucking go to the guidance counselor and I was like, hey, what do I do next? I've been here for four years. I'm about to, I don't want to be here for a fifth. Like, what do I do? And then she looked at me and was like, I don't know. And I'm like, dog, you are the guidance counselor. I, I need guidance. That's the one fucking part of your job that is you are supposed to counsel me and guide me to where I'm supposed to fucking go next. And then she was like, have you thought of art school? I'm like, no. And she's like, why not? And I'm like, because I thought you were going to fucking guide me there. <laughs> I thought you were going to offer me some fucking counsel on how to guide myself in art school. What the fuck are you talking about? And she was, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was incredibly frustrating. But I mean, like, it's weird to me that my time in, like, my time in art fucking school instilled really shitty, like, shitty habits in my brain, right? Which I still have. And, like, the shitty habits that I have, like, one, appreciating art is, like, the worst thing you can do, right? <laughs> like, art Look, yeah. art is fucking well, especially stupid. the academic word yeah. appreciation, because that doesn't mean like look at something and go, "That's nice," and then walk yeah. away. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, that, that's appreciation. Yeah, that's, that's cool. like, oh, hey, that's cool. Or like looking at a like painting and going of the fucking one with the melted clocks and going, "Damn, that's sick." Yeah, and that looks hella cool though. <laughs> like that's fine. Yeah, the for me, it's like <laughs> when I look at a Rothko. And I'm like looking at the color and I'm like, man, this is my childhood. Like that is the dumbest fucking thing. That's dumb. Like it's a dumb thing that a dumb guy brain would do. Right. Like that just like to look at art. I, I posted about it where I'm like, yo, yo, look at this painting of a rat in space. Damn, it do be like that sometimes. Right. Like that's, <laughs> It's like it's stupid of me to fucking yeah. think of, of shit like that. And I hate myself for it. And like that, like appreciation of art shit took me years you know what beat it out of me when i was working at the tire shop right like i was working at the tire shop because i was at no point in time i still like to this day i draw and i doodle and do whatever the fuck but like on my breaks i would like draw like i would just draw my breaks because the fucking only place to eat for like my lunches were was in and out burger and like you get sick and tired of fucking in and out real goddamn quick when it's the only thing you eat for like two weeks in it, you know, like fucking by the third week, I was like, I'm over. I'm never going to eat fucking in and out again. But while I was working there on my lunch breaks, I would just be drawing and my fucking coworkers would walk up on me and be like, Oh, you're drawing. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, gay. And like, <laughs> right. Like that shit isn't, it wasn't bare. It's cringy that I was fucking doing that shit. Right. Like even it doesn't matter. Like what, whatever, just the fact that I like had the audacity to think that I was better than these motherfuckers because I knew how to, I knew how to draw like titties. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew the, how to add weight to titties. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I agree with that thought process too. But like, it's not like I don't know. It's cool to have hobbies, man. Yeah, but to like it is. But there's a detach. I think I understand what you're getting at, Marcos, because there's this intellectual detachment. It's really easy to have sometimes and just like kind of be like, yeah, I don't need to I don't need to get to know these people here at the tire shop because I'm an artist and I just work here in the daytime. Yes, that was. Yes. My mindset. One thousand percent. And that's yeah, that shit is that's bad. Right. And I had that same after 
the fucking tire shop, right? After I, I like left the tire shop and I started working, like I saw more and more of that detachment in the office. And I saw that like in, in office work, like, and when I was working at Uber, you see a lot of that shit. You see, like, I'm a lawyer. I don't have to deal with this shit. I just shouldn't have to make my own coffee. I'm a fucking lawyer, right? Like, I shouldn't have to make my own coffee. I'm a fucking software engineer. Like, they would, you know, you see this mm-hmm. kind of, like, shit all the time. And I realized, oh. That's how you get like, there. I look like these motherfuckers. And I'm like, I look like these motherfuckers and I work at a tire shop. That's ridiculous. Right? <laughs> like, that's that shit made me, it opened my fucking eyes into realizing how much of an asshole that I was being. Without, re- like, I had no point in time. Because when you're in the middle of that kind of, like, mindset, anytime anyone calls you an asshole, you don't have the, like, there's something in your brain that's not on, that just won't, like, no, it's it's you. It's not the world. It's you. You're, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. No, Everyone I, else do, is wrong I actually, like, one of the most pivotal experiences in my whole life happened in eighth grade, and it, like, surrounded this issue. But basically, like, when I was a little kid, I was always that kid that was like, I'll just read a book. I'm not going to socialize. Mm-hmm. Like, and it wasn't because I couldn't socialize. I do have some like social anxiety and things like that and uh, issues that I do have that are legitimate that sometimes make it more challenging. But also like a lot of people have some barrier between them and making friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so like, Uh, You know, I would just always have this, like, cool detachment towards a lot of stuff. And uh, there was this moment where in eighth grade where I'm, like, sitting in the cafeteria. And the people that I sat with, like, we all read books at lunch. We were all Mm -hmm. just fucking nerds, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just, like, like reading, like, fantasy novels and, like, you know, light science books and, you know, stuff like that. And just like thinking that we're really like we're like the the the, the most important people in this room basically, mm-hmm. and everybody else they're just doing dumb shit, and like that was like the attitude that we had, and I I realized one day like I'm sitting there and normally like the sound of everybody talking and socializing would just be like this meaningless noise to me and I'd be like yeah whatever I can just filter that out and read this book so much more important, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then. All of a sudden, it was like I started to hear conversations, like realize that it, this was like hundreds of individual conversations that I was hearing, not just like a sound. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, dang, actually, like all of these people are having these like real life experiences that are important to them and they're sharing them. And uh, if I ever want these people to like give a shit about me, I need to learn about these things because uh, this is what matters to them. And they don't give a shit at what's in this fucking book. Mm-hmm. damn homie you became sentient like, in the eighth grade uh it was like a it was like a crazy like you would think someone like just dropped me like a quarter hit of acid before they sent me to school that day honestly like it just sent, sent little kennedy into eighth grade like you're good you're gonna have a crazy day homie but you're good you know and i'm just like huh what yeah. like it was literally like a a, a, a hallucinogenic type moment of realization and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I'm I, shutting myself off from all of this stuff and pretending that that's important. But this entire world is going on around me. And that's real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, like, a lot of those friends that I had before that, some of my childhood friends, we were never really able to make up after I 
stop being like that. But like, I just kind of switched instantly. It was crazy. Like I didn't like slowly kind of, no, it was just like the next day I went and sat with some other people. I was like, can I sit with you? And just started chatting them up. Also, I just got to rep this because little Kennedy was such a badass. I was in a wheelchair at this time because I had broken my ankle. And so, like, I'm, like, rolling up to people's tables, like, the freaking, <laughs> like, the, the wheelchair kid that people make fun of in the hall because I'm, like, slow and I can't get down the hall and shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm like, uh, can I, can I sit with you guys <laughs> all awkward and shit? <laughs> just fucking just going for it. Um, and it worked. And it changed me. And it changed, it's, like, it made me into, like, a way better person. And... Honestly, the most frustrating thing for me now is a lot of times when I talk with really academic-minded people, uh, they'll get excited when they realize that I do underneath like some other things kind of like some academic stuff. And then they'll kind of accuse me, well, you, you're just one of those special people that can do both, or you, know, you have this ability to socialize that I'll never have. And I'm like, I fought for it and learned it from nothing no one taught it to me my parents are fucking cringe and awkward people um like no <laughs> I, literally, i'm academic out of spite i learn about i learn about shit because i'm like this shit isn't even that fucking hard like the other day in a group chat they said that what is the word it fucking it's it has something to do with like like you should do the right thing because that's the rules it was like some kind of like philosophy ethic and I can't remember what the what like duty or something. No, it was it's a word like it's a philosophical. Wait, isn't that some Kant shit? Yeah, it was Kant. They were talking about Kant mm. and they were talking about uh, like that he's a specific whatever this type of word is. Yeah, he's like the guy that believes it's like morally righteous to follow the rules. Yeah, and then I I didn't know what the word that they were saying Very was. Very fucking German. So I, they I didn't know what the word that they were saying was, so I looked up the word and as soon as I looked up the word they were saying like a guy who there uh, they broke it down to like a guy who does something because that's the rules, and I was like I can't fucking believe from a fit like you had to make up a word for a guy who just does what the rules like that's called a cop, right? Like, that's, <laughs> that's a cop. We have words for this fucking that's the small we call them small, snitches. Yeah, yeah we call snitches. Like it's crazy to me, and like like it ended up like we we're talking about moral philosophy for like a brief second and. I realize that like moral philosophy is just fucking straight up baby brain shit. Like if you believe that you have to do something because that's the rules, that's like you're a child. You you have a brain of a child and you can philosophize all you want and tell me actually blah, blah, blah. And I will tune you the fuck out because I've already decided. And that's how my brain works, right? Like, hey, decision is made. That's the way it's going to be. But um, like when it comes I'll take it I'll take it a step further and just be even spicier with it. Moral philosophy is for people that have no natural ability to empathize with others usually because they have not experienced uh, oppression or seen it or empathized with it. Yeah, no I I think the other day I I got into like Very a, much agree. I got into a like I got dragged into like a 4 a.m. screaming match that it was started out as like it started out as like hey come talk to us we're all friends and then it turned into like moral philosophy and then i just was like listening to it and then they were <laughs> they were all yelling at each other about like what what is right and then i just was like yo like i don't really have a code of like ethics if you want to talk about like ethics but i just don't want to be an asshole 
Like at my core, if you want to like dictate what my ethics are, That's my, my ethics... entire philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a fucking. I know dickhead. what it's like when people are an asshole to me. So like, I know kind of what it's like to not be an asshole to other people, and that's <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's it's the, that's all, that's the full, all I need to know for more like ethical decisions. Right? I feel bad when I'm doing bad things to other people. I would like to not feel bad. Therefore, I don't want to do bad things to other people. However, like, yeah. I will. Very, extremely simple, like one to one arithmetic. Yeah, it... Like You don't even have to think about this kind of thing. Just like. Oh damn, that shit sucked. I'm not doing it again. Wait, but you could do 17,000 hours of mental gymnastics to get rid of that bad feeling by justifying it, quote <laughs> I unquote. I could, and then I would be a Nazi. <laughs> I, uh, speaking of which, doesn't I... that sound way easier than just avoiding the problem? Fucking spending I was a, fucking a bazillion menace. hours. <laughs> I was a fucking menace growing up, and like I feel like we had a similar experience where. So I was a wheelchair kid. I broke my hip when I was real young, and I was I had to like. Why, why do we have so many weird things in common, Marcos? <laughs> I, have no, I have no fucking idea. But I I broke my hip when I was young, and I was fucking stuck in a wheelchair for like three months. And while like, so I was in a wheelchair, and then in a in crutches, and then in a cane, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. like a like so. But when I started out in the wheelchair, people used to do this really. People forget that my I went to man, s- my man Benjamin Button just went <laughs> way back. Yeah, back <laughs> wow, rude! I didn't even think about that, but rude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Damn, got my ass. Uh, I, uh, so what happened was, I broke my hip when I was real young. I had the fucking wheelchair. And people forget that I went to school in the 90s. And I don't mean like the 90s. I mean like the early 90s. I'm old. I'm an old man. And so fucking I went to school and people fucking used to play this really fun bit where they would just dip me out of my wheelchair. They would just walk up behind me, fucking lift up the rear of my wheelchair and spill Mm -hmm. me forward. And then like step over me. And that was just a normal thing that happened. And it happened often. And I was like. I, I don't have any right to talk like somebody who's been wheelchair bound for like most of their life or years or something like that. But there's a reason why I talk about the bitterness of being a wheelchair kid. Yeah, no. So I was, yeah, it was fucked up. People would like, would, yeah, they would throw backpacks at me for some fucking reason or like tilt me backwards and watch me fall back. Like it was just for them. They, it was all f- also like they just grab you and just start running you so fast oh, yeah. down the street. And you're just like, please stop! Yeah. <laughs> like, my God. <laughs> um, then when I was in the when I was in the crutches, people would kick him out from underneath me, and like mm-hmm. I think some of it might have been a little bit racially motivated because I was like one of the only like Mexican like brown Mexican kids, and I also had like a thick Scottish accent, which probably doesn't help. Which <laughs> that that's a whole other fucking can of worms. But <laughs> I I was a weird kid. I did not fit in with anyone at at the school. I was like way weird and. I got fucking picked on mercilessly and I was picked on mercilessly all the way up until like eighth grade in middle school when I over the summer became like over the seventh grade summer became five, five and my current frame. So like for a child, I was, I was huge. I was like, I was a fucking huge little kid. And as soon as I got this frame and I realized that I was strong now, I started lifting weights with my dad and then fucking, by the time eighth grade came around, I was a fucking menace. I was kicking the shit out of everyone. Like lit- anyone, like literally anyone that even people didn't. It, got, it started out with like, I'm going to beat up all my bullies. 
And then it eventually turned in like, if you just even look at me wrong, you're fucking touching hands. And like it, I was literally making up excuses to fucking beat people's ass. And that's a terrible thing that I was doing. And I would have continued on that path unless I got beat up by like, I don't know if I've ever told, I've told the story on the pod a thousand times, but I don't know if I've ever, if Ivy's ever heard it, but I, I got publicly beat up by three brothers. They kicked the shit out of me so fucking hard that the whole, like they kicked the shit out of me in the quad at school. And like the teachers stood back and watched while other students jumped in to whoop my ass. Cause I had deserved it that bad. Like the entire school got a participant, like got a trophy, got a participation trophy in whooping my ass. Like there were people throwing fucking rocks at me, throwing trash. And it was like a public event. It was like a it was fucking. Damn. Yeah. Hey, actually, actually, it's just had like, like a fucking, they, they, public, they publicly stoned you. Yeah. Like, they, like this, yeah. that's a really biblical shit. Like after that, the next actually. step is exile, Marcos. No, the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like. The the only other thing they could have done would have just been to like cast you out. <laughs> the cops, the cops just, came. Just just some administrators just walk this kid into a different school and register them there. I got and they're, they're like, are you their the parents? No, we're the principal of a different school. We're registering this kid here. The principal of the superintendent. You're uh, laughing. A few of the teachers were kicking him out. We're leaving him with you. You're laughing, but that's literally. I got expelled from that school. And it was for my own safety. They literally expelled me for my own oh, safety. <laughs> because Damn. for the rest of like the weekend, <laughs> Ivy's fucking over here dying laughing. I got, <laughs> I listen, man. I got, okay. I got like well, the next. Day, I like a good story about divine judgment. I, okay, I got, <laughs> even even if the guy who got who, who got his comeuppance is like one of my best friends. <laughs> I fucking so I went. I went back to school the next day and just caught another ass whooping from like a group of kids. Like the whole, like just a group of kids came and beat my ass because they knew the administrators weren't going to do anything about it. And yeah, they, they heard. Like, they yeah. they heard. The, bu- the bully got his ass kicked yesterday. Yeah. So for like a we whole do it again. two weeks after that, I just kept getting into fucking fights, like extreme ones where I was just fight. It was me against like six kids and I, and I couldn't do anything about it. And I was just getting fucking rocked. So finally, the police got involved fucking said hey this is like the fourth time you've called us this week for this fucking kid and then my 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 parents who were on drugs at the time didn't give a single shit but like they the administrators called my parents like you got to come down here and pick him up we're gonna we don't know what to do with him and then finally one of the administrators is like hey this is like this kid's being here is like a safety risk you just got to put him in another school so i ended up going into another school and i spent like the rest of the last half of the eighth grade at fucking a different school and damn it was fucking rough because people talked and they knew that like I had gotten essentially like fucking exercised out of that other school. <laughs> right? Like I got completely cast out and nobody was fucking friendly with me. Like nobody wanted to talk to me about anything and I just didn't have any friends and I didn't have any friends all the way until like my sophomore year in high school. And that's when I started selling weed. The moment I started selling weed, I started making friends again, but like, it wasn't even friends. They were just in my mind, in my fucked up, stupid brain, they were customers, right? Like I didn't really have, I had a few friends that used to hang out with me, but when I really think about it, we were just kind of in a low key gang together, right? We like, we all sold weed and we just looked out for each other, but we didn't hang out. We didn't talk. We didn't fucking go anywhere. We didn't do anything. We just 
it was just about the business and fucking like i lived like that for years like i even when it was in high like when i was going to fucking art school like i didn't really have any fucking friends or anything i didn't know anyone i didn't want i didn't care to know anyone and i met this guy uh and he ended up becoming my best friend and we fucking like met we met at an open mic and we just started hanging out every day and at the time i was doing poetry at an open mic because i was trying to i was trying to like poetry my way into some pussy because i was <laughs> and it worked it worked for the which was weird but i don't know i think i, might I can't be the, believe it worked yeah I'm, i might be the first guy to have ever done that <laughs> I'm positive that I I might. You have been. can't be the first because some 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 guys have put, published uh, books of poetry, uh, yeah, and I'm true. pretty sure they'd only be doing that if it was working. That's, that's true. I didn't <laughs> think about that at all. But yeah, when I got it done, and he was like, "Hey, man, like you know, you're like inherently musical, like you have some musical ability," and he's like, "If you want to come over, hang out, and we can hang out, and like we could just make music." And I sure enough, I started hanging out with him, and we were making music, and like. In my mind, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, what does he want out of me? Like, what is he getting? Like, why is he just teaching me music for free? Mm. Because he was a music teacher. Yeah. Right? Like, he usually charged people to to do to show me what he was showing me. But he, like, would just show me, and he was very patient. And I, I, I kept expecting him to ask something of me. And then one day, we were at a bar, and we were chilling. We were vibing. And I was, like, going through, like, some shitty breakup shit, and, my like, my heart's broken. And anytime anyone, like, in my circle was telling me, oh, I met a girl – my first thought was, I was like, fuck you, dude. You don't deserve that shit. You know, because, like, I'm a hater. That was why I had this <laughs> yeah. hater mentality in my brain. And my man tells me, hey, man, I met this girl. Her name, like, I met her name. I met her, and, like, she told me her name, and I just I felt butterflies then. And we're on our third date, and I, it's getting serious. Like, I think, like, I think, like, I think she's the one. And when he said that to me, for the first time in my fucking life, I felt like I also was in love. Like, I felt what he felt. Yeah. I felt him, right? And when he told me that shit, I f- it fucking changed. Like, there was, like, how you had that click while you were, like, reading at the reading table. Like, I had that same click where I was just like, holy shit. Other people feel other people. Like, fuck. Holy fuck. Like, you can, you can literally feel how another person feels if you open up yourself to do that. Right? Not everyone is, like, not everything is a fucking fight. You don't have to constantly keep fighting or play your cards close you can fucking live your life open yeah and motherfuckers can take what they want and you 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 could just like you can be a never-ending fountain and like that's what that dude showed me for him his like touchstone to like being this never-ending fountain of kindness was music he believed literally everyone was musical like in his mind it did not matter if you had fucking tons of training no training if you've never picked up anything he believed that if your fucking heart beats, you're musical, right? And he showed me, like, he like he believed in that so much that he fucking showed me a person who had no musical ability whatsoever, and he showed me how to be musical and how to appreciate music. And, like, he really, when I, he didn't just show me how to appreciate music and how to make music. He really taught me, like, how love works, right? How, like, love in action works, like how you can love someone through an action, by like showing them a way to 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 look at the world in a different way. That shit was fucking powerful. It was so powerful that it informed the rest of my life after that. Like when and when I think about like the homie shit, like in the homie mi- mindset and like this homie body politic and all the shit I've written about homies and stuff, 
it boils down to this idea that you can be so you can become like you can become so fucking like a such a radical expression of love that you can essentially become endless no one can take anything from you because all you have is things to give no one can like you know what i mean and like that shit makes you infinitely powerful me me kicking the shit out of like little eighth graders when i was fucking you know in the eighth grade i thought that made me powerful it didn't make me it made me weak because you know i got fucking exercised from a school i got completely cast out like a biblical ending <laughs> had to happen for me to get the fuck out of this situation i built myself and all it took was some random person believing in me telling me that i can do something that i didn't think i could do and it changed my whole fucking life right that like yeah, I, I, that's where the homie shit comes from at its core. Yeah. Is this, is this literal belief and action in your homies. Like, when you believe in your homies, you you don't just say it. You show them, you know? And that, that shit fucking changed my life. That's the real deal. Yeah. I, I fucking, I sucked all the air out of the room. <laughs> no, it's really, I'm just, I'm taking it in because it's, I, I, I really believe in what you're saying right now. You know, you, yeah, I don't know. It's just there's a difference between like being capable of being around people like you were talking about with like your informal gang and i totally get that like when i was drug dealing there was this one guy in particular it's like why did i hang out with him he had a truck yeah, <laughs> yeah no i get that you know that was, that was and like Kirby. i get yeah i get that <laughs> um uh you know there's a difference between just hanging out with somebody being around them um you know, things like that, and then actually, like, really understanding what it is that's important to them, understanding, like, where their boundaries are, things like that that you just really have to give more of a shit about people. Mm -hmm. It becomes... Than, like, some people seem to be capable of doing for anyone. <laughs> it becomes... I feel like it, once you open yourself up to, like, understanding people on that level, it becomes second nature. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I hardly ever find myself in a situation and I find myself with tons of different like interacting with tons of different people on a daily basis, both in my real life and online. And I always if I I never feel like I'm out of line. And if I ever do get called out for being out of line, I don't ever feel like attacked for it. I feel like, yo, I literally did not know that that was the case. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, how do I how do I make it right? And you would not believe how often people who initially were like mad at me end up not being mad at me because right, because I they can sense about there's something that, you know, that I genuinely don't I did not mean to offend or I did not understand the con like, you know, what I said was going to piss you off. You wouldn't believe yeah. how many times I've ran into people that had something had like a preconceived notion about the kind of person that I was and then talked to me and then walked away realizing that I was nothing like what they had expected me to be like honestly i would believe it because you're capable of open honest communication with people that facilitates that kind of interaction whereas like i think a lot of people really struggle to just like be real enough to make people feel that way about them like i think when you're Actually, like if when you sit down and have a real conversation where both people on both sides of it are relatively dedicated to being like honest and working through whatever this moment is, whether it's happy, sad, serious, not, you know, 
there's just a difference in the way that that conversation goes when everybody comes to the table with like uh, good faith and a clear mind and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like once you have a participant that's not acting like that, well, then it doesn't always go so well. And people are just so used to just a lot of bullshit back and forth mm-hmm. that they forget that these kinds of interactions are possible. But my experience is that when you like when you just tend to be like, hey, I'm sorry when you do something fucked up and just genuinely just try to make it right right away that mm-hmm. most people instantly respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know like i say it's when it's when people get this sense of like is this person really being honest with me and things like that i think it's a lot harder to pull that off so Mm -hmm. i think i i'm not surprised to hear that because i think when people are real with each other like that actually it seems like conflict resolution amongst humans is not so hard when like two people are just face to face sitting down being really real with each other Mm -hmm. but i mean I've I've learned conflict resolution. I'm a child of divorce, right? Like there's a, there's a there's like a level of conflict resolution that is necessary even on your own end where like yeah, I find myself capitulating to what someone else has to say even if I don't agree, even if I don't see the point of it, I understand that this is the only way that I can move forward with this person. So here it is. Right? Like this I will change the way. And I think that something interesting that like I remember my grandfather telling me my grandpa was like the only source of like real like wisdom that I got from anyone. But he told me once that he said, like, there are two ways that people can change you. Right. And the way that someone can change you that is bad is if you are a giving person and you are constantly giving other people things that they want and they need. And someone comes along and takes something from you. And you feel so betrayed by that that you stop giving. That person changed you in a negative way. You gave that person power over you. You let them change your entire mindset. He's like, that's bad. But you can give and give and give and give and give to people. And then someone comes along and takes it. And you say to yourself, well, I was giving it away. You now take that power back from them. They're not changing you anymore, right? You have the power. You've chose to, d- to change however it is that you interacted with someone. And that shit, fuck, when he told me that, that shit was like, you know, at the time I was like, you know, fucking 11, maybe 10 or 11. I didn't, I was like, shut up, grandpa. I'm trying to play fucking double dragons. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like. None of that's a double dragon combo. Adult, man, <laughs> I find myself in situations where. I don't agree with someone. I fundamentally I don't agree with them. I can't even begin to agree with them. But I understand I can understand how they arrived at that uh, at where they are. And once I understand that, I can work from there. And they we can we can make we can make like we can make compromise and because I am choosing to compromise, I'm not giving them control over myself. I have control ultimately at the end of the day, which is yeah. I think an important framework for people to work under. And it's good to empower yourself that way because ultimately all we can really do is try to control our own perceptions and actions. You can't control anyone else and you can't control the weather and you can't control uh, wild geese and you can't control a lot of things. So, um, you know, but you can decide how you feel about something. 
Yeah. Like you can decide if it makes you like so angry that you need to be violent about it or if it's just frustrating or even if it's just neutral. Mm-hmm. That's like, why that's yeah. you have all the power in that situation and rarely in your life will you have all the power in a situation. <laughs> well, I think I'm I'm a big like proponent of like self-mastery, right? I think that like self-mastery legitimately is the key to like mastering the universe right like like mastering all kinds of issues that you can run into like if you have good self-control right and like look i have terrible self-control i eat fucking cheeseburgers six times a week like i have no fucking self-control when it comes to certain aspects but also it's incredibly difficult to make me upset it's incredibly difficult to make me lose my cool right and that's because i i practice in some areas I don't practice in others, but I practice self-control and it's for a lot of people. They assume that it makes me like this, like immovable rock where people are like, Oh yeah, Marcos just fucking doesn't care about anything. Or he's a, you know, like, yeah, he's a cool guy. He like never loses his cool. I lose my cool all the time. Don't show it. Right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not stuffing it down. Right. I'm not making it, a, you know, I'm not like stuffing my feelings down, but I am controlling how I feel, how I react. And then, one of the things that I like to do and it always like it's it's crazy to me because I have to be reminded. And that's a thing that I don't think enough people like are aware of. But like nobody is just perfect. Nobody is just like figuring this shit out 100 percent of the time. Always it's they always have to be reminded. It's a constant battle of of people around them, their support groups, their support nets, their their homies being around them and supporting them and telling them and reminding them, hey, you got to take a break or you got to do this or you got to do that. And like, for me, I find myself like depressed and in the throes of like a fucking, just some, I'll just be reminded of some deep pain that I have and I'll get lost in the sauce for that. And I can't get out of it. And all it takes is me like hanging out with my friends, watching a movie with them or something, just, you know, really relying on my homies and telling me, Hey man, you got to do something with that pain. You got to make something with that pain. You got to create something with that pain. And every fucking time, it's like a light. Like, I'm like, I, how did I, you know, we, we were just talking about this like six months ago. How did I, how did I forget so soon? And it's because you, ha- it's a constant thing. That's what like, really, that's what like a homie support network is supposed to be about. People who don't mind reminding you of the shit you already know, right? You just gotta, you know, sometimes you gotta have it externalized. Someone has to tell it to you. And I mean, that should save my life a hundred times over at this point. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it just really helps, I think, too, to just have someone encourage you to feel like you deserve self-care. Right? Because, like, yeah. we live in such a toxic society that, like, uh, it, even if you had, like, a physical wound sometimes, you would just be trying to ignore it. But in general, most people understand to some extent that, like, if your leg was bleeding, you should go to the bathroom. Wash it off. Put mm-hmm. a Band-Aid on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe seek further attention depending on how bad it's bleeding. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but for, like, the emotional stuff, a lot of that is so poorly quantified. Um, like, you know, we were talking about academia earlier and how, like, all this stuff needs to be studied. But, like, emotional things and social skills a lot of that has still never been there's been no attempt to really quantify any of it 
um, or like make these things into concepts that people can understand more easily. Uh, and I low key kind of hope they don't do that, but I'll yeah, explain. I have a hot take, and I'll explain why. <laughs> I, I could see it, but we'll get into that in one sec. Because <laughs> I, I now I do want to hear it, but um, <clears throat> but just in general, like people aren't really taught any way to really engage with that stuff, and so like when you have that wound on the inside, that is like effectively like doing the emotional equivalent of bleeding. Or something like that, where like, you know, so if you're having blood loss, uh, your body's losing something important. If you're having like an emotional blood loss, we'll just think of that as like when you can't stop thinking about something that really hurts you. And then like you you're just like losing part of your day. Yeah. Um, and or, 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 you know, even in some cases doing something worse, like mm-hmm. uh, seeking um, dangerous experiences or doing mm-hmm. self-harm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like all of that is this sort of like inside emotional bleeding out that can't really be seen but is just as valid in terms of like you need to go like wash that wound yeah you know put neosporin on it or whatever <laughs> like 100 yeah, i agree <laughs> my my hot take by the way was that like if you start quantifying it and like start putting it like eq and iq is measurable you're gonna have those those nerd motherfuckers be like, actually, I have an incredibly high EQ. My EQ is <laughs> emotional. Yeah, it'll become trendy to have yeah. emotional intelligence. Yeah, <laughs> and then that you'll have this guy who's like, actually, I have very high emotional intelligence, <laughs> so I could not have sexually harassed you uh, at that work party. Uh, you know? I would never. <laughs> Whereas do that your EQ, your EQ is very small, so. Your perception of it is wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't ever want to quantify shit because there's always nerd motherfuckers who use that to like justify the horrific things and horrific behavior that they fucking experience. But like No, we can't most- let academia have it. But I will say that I think there are other languages in particular like um non-imperialized languages that do a better job of handling emotional content. And I think that, like, we could, even if we're not going to, like, change the languages that we speak necessarily now, we could, like, adopt some of those good ideas in terms of, like, softening the emotional content of our language a little bit and, like, being kinder to people. If we could do that, that would be cool. Uh, If it could happen without a textbook being written... Well, that would be great. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you were talking about the, uh, you were talking about like self care, right? And like, yeah, I, the homie manifesto that I wrote, which is probably like I, I bring it up all the time, but I, I both regret it, but also everyone who's ever read it is like, man, this is really nice, but I, I regret it because it's like, only fucking psychopaths write manifestos, man. Like, <laughs> Once you real- start saying you have a manifesto, yeah, it's like. Shut up. It's either one of two things. It's either one, shut up, or two, seek some help, right? <laughs> Those are the only, right? So, anyways, I the homie manifesto, uh, in it, I talk about self-care. And when I'm talking about self-care, I don't talk about self-care in the traditional sense because I think self-care currently is commodified, right? It's something that is sold to you. They tell you to take care of yourself by going out and spending something, on, like spending money, buying an experience buying all of these specific things and in the end it leaves you hollow it makes you like yeah i went and spent dropped a hundred dollars on bath bombs because i was sad and i'm taking long baths but fucking i don't feel any better this consumerist itch that i scratched 
doesn't make me feel any better. I don't. So like what, how do you really take care of yourself? How, what is self care? If you can't like scratch that itch, right. That like without, you know, using a consumerist tool. And I figured at least what help, what helps me, what has always helped me is when I'm fucked up, I put myself, I put however I feel all my negative energy and I try to put that deep inside myself and not push it outward like in a negative way where I'm like spitting venom at people. But I mean, using that shit to propel me to help other people. And I mean, like, you know, simple is like reaching out to someone else to call them and ask them how their day was. If there's every now and then I'll be like fucking just completely depressed, not feeling fucking good. And I'll go into the group chat and I'll be like, hey, does anyone want to hop on VC? And from there, we'll just start bullshitting. And I feel fucking great. I start feeling amazing. And it's because I needed some self-care, but I didn't want to go out there and fucking spend some money on some self-care. So what I did instead was I asked my friends, how are you doing? You want to come and talk? You want to come? And I was serving myself, but also I'm probably brightening up their day, too. Right. And like that's. Yeah. That's just one way to do it. I mean, there used to be like one of the things that I used to do when I was fucking working uh, when I was working catering and I was fucking running that shit. I used to give I used to like feed at the end of the day. I wouldn't throw anything away. I would just feed whoever wanted to feed it. And at that time, I was probably my most fucking I was probably the happiest I think I'd ever been. I had a shit job. I was crazy stressed out. I couldn't fucking deal with all of the work drama that was going on. But at the end of the day. I would feed people and on my BART ride home, I felt good. I felt yeah. good. And there was nothing that took it away. Like I was, that was the one thing that was making me being able to keep my mind right. Like was that, that I, Hey, I did, I did good by somebody. Even if I'm fucked up, I did good by somebody and that matters. Right. And like, so at the core, the homie manifesto is about self care, but not like you taking care of yourself, but you taking care of the homies because at the end of the day, the more you take care of the homies, the more the homies take care of you. And eventually, it just the best way to help others is to help yourself and vice versa. The best way to help yourself is to help others. Right? And if it works, it works. And it works for me. <laughs> I think uh, I actually, I have a, I have to do all my fucking grocery shopping today. So I, 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 I need to wrap up. Soon, yeah, yeah, actually. yeah. Um, do you, if you want to yeah. plug anything or... Let anyone know what you're working on next or actually, if you ever just want to come back, hit me up. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say, Marcos, thank you. It's big pleasure as always. Um, and, uh, you know, I appreciate ass a lot, <laughs> by which I mean your show. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll be hanging out a little bit, especially while I'm kind of floating and working mm -hmm. on stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I do have some things going on. If you follow me on Twitter, at Kennedy T. Cooper, that's the best place to just keep up with me right now. Um, I'm uh, working on some new projects. In particular, like, I'm going to be doing this thing where basically uh, I'm going to have this, like, cis straight friend let me humiliate him while I do home improvement. Not in a sexual way, but just be like, <laughs> it'll be like Queer Eye for your house, kind of. Because, like, I know all this home improvement, and, like, I, I came up with this idea of doing this home improvement show, and I've gotten lots of suggestions for it. And I want to teach people how to, like, 
fix shit around your apartment that your landlord probably isn't fixing and things like that. Um, but like specifically, we're going to do it from this angle of like, I get to like take this very privileged friend of mine and make him look like a dork every episode. <laughs> and I'm so here for it. Instead of, instead of this old house, it's this queer house. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'll be glammed out like I do, just fixing shit. Um, and uh, it's going to be really fun. And I'm, I'll probably, like, there's going to be that video series and probably some other stuff. This will probably all manifest into, like, a YouTube channel, but it just doesn't exist yet. Um, and I'll also be doing, like, frog videos and stuff like that. And, um. I don't know. I, I've got a lot of things in the works right now, but mostly you just got to follow me and wait and see. But yeah. there will be the home improvement series is like that's under development. Actually, better to say under production. We're starting to film and shit. Hell yeah. It's going to be really good. And uh, I just want to like do more useful stuff like that now and do less theoretical stuff now that I'm moving on. That's what I'm going to be focusing on. I feel that 100%. Homies help homies. Go follow the homie, Kennedy. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ainter Show. You can listen to this podcast anywhere that podcasts are available. If you are looking for us organically on Google, you can just search the Ain't Shit Show podcast. We should be the first thing that pops up. Um, goodbye. <laughs>